this, uh, this week has been an interesting week with all the events that have been going on. And uh, we're, we're at the end of our series called Battle Ready. We've been going through five weeks now. We've been, we started off with uh, winning the war, talking about the reality of a spiritual warfare that goes on, or the reality of that life is challenging, and we do have an enemy that is going after us, you know, trying to keep us from becoming a Christian, trying to keep Christians from being effective, trying to disrupt our lives. There is a real fight that goes on. Uh, we, we talked about preparing for the battle. If you remember the, the Army Ranger video we, I put on, it was talking about you know preparing, and these guys were the, the best of the best to prepare for battle, and, and that we should prepare ourselves and prepare and train and, and get, get ourselves ready for these kinds of battles. Uh, we talked about a counterattack. When, when, uh, when we get attacked, you know, we, should, we shouldn't just sit and, and lick our wounds. We should get involved and get back and, and start moving forward to, to change the lives or help change, lead people to Christ and change the lives that are out there. Uh, we talked about a lot of things. Last week we talked about engaging the enemy and how you know, that, that the reality is, is that we're going to be faced with these things and, and, and uh, if we're not in a, a trial... We're probably coming out of a trial, or we're getting ready to begin a trial. And, and that's just kind of the way life is. Anybody that's been around, uh, you know, longer than a teenager, you, you kind of get, you understand that. It's not new news, you know. We, you know whether it's a business thing, you know, our businesses go up and down, our lives go up and down. We go, try, you know, different things come into our lives. And so we talked about this all through this series, about these different, different things that, uh, that we face. And, one, and, and so this is the last message of this series, and, and, and the last message is about healing the wounded. So if we're in a battle, and if we're using this, this battle as a, as, a, as a series title and, and an idea that we're in this battle, we, we are going to be wounded, aren't we? We're going we're gonna to have things that are going to happen in our lives that are gonna, that's going to hurt us. Now, some wounds are natural part of life. Some wounds, just, just, it's just natural. It happens. For example, we, we lost uh, Bill Fitzgerald this past week, and we had his funeral this weekend on Thursday and Friday. We uh, had his funeral, well, his funeral was on Friday, and, and I didn't know very many people that came. I knew a few church members, but that was about it. But I was, so I was really in, behind the scenes, and I was just thinking and reflecting on, on the, the wounds that we face, you know. Um, this is something that we're going we're gonna to all face in our life, is we're going to lose people. We're going to lose loved ones. We're going to lose um, a spouse or, or family members or parents. It's going to happen. But you know, at Bill's funeral, one of the things I kept reflecting on and I kept thinking about was, was how they, how, not only how many people showed up, there was quite a few people, but also what they said about him, what kind of, what kind of man he was. And I really wish I would have known him. I really do. I've got, I, I barely knew him. I got to spend a little bit of time with him before he got uh, really sick and and, um, and, and he was quite a character from what I knew of him, but I know the stories that I hear, he was just, um, he had a real quick sense of humor. Um, and what somebody was saying, like a deadpan humor, where he just, you don't know if he was joking or not sometimes. Um, but they said some awesome things about this man, and I was reflecting, thinking about, you know, the hurts that the family is going through. And I saw all these family members up here, and, and uh, you know, we talked to church members, and they were hurt because they loved him. And I thought, you know, what are, you know, it's interesting because I did not plan, well, I kind of planned this series, but, you know, this particular sermon happened to fall on a week that we lost somebody. And, and I was reflecting on the hurt that we go through in life. And, and we do get wounds. You know, we, we, we lost a loved one here. 
And I was looking at the family, and I was just thinking about how there's such a difference between a Christian funeral and a non-Christian funeral. I've been to both. A, Christian, a non-Christian funeral, I, I lost my grandfather a couple years ago, and I, went to, I, was the, uh, I did his funeral. I was the preacher for the funeral. And it was very different because there wasn't much hope. It was, I'm sad because I'll never see him again, and that was it. It was final. But as a Christian, and a Christian loses a loved one, um, a believer, we have hope. We, we think, you know what? Yeah, we lost him now, and I'm going to be sad that I don't get to see him every day, or her, but you know what? Someday, I'm going to be up there with him, or her. And it, and it really started getting me thinking about the differences of that, and, and how we, some of these, some of these events, we go through life are just natural events, and, and how different it was between different funerals. And I saw all these people up here, and all of them, all these family members, well, at least all the ones I talked to were Christians, and, and how they're joyous that dad or grandpa is up in heaven. And I think it really does, it's interesting how we view things in the world and how we deal with this hurt that we go through. Like I said, some of it's natural, some of it's not. I'm mentioning the funeral as an example because it's a shared experience. It's something that we all will experience in our life. It's something we're all familiar with, losing a loved one. But there's something else we share. And we share that we have habits, hurts, and hang-ups in our lives. We all share that in common. We have habits and, uh, and, and things that, that we don't want to do, but yet we do. Like last week, I talked about Michael's Pizza. Guess how many times I had Michael's this week? I was there last night. I worked until 10 o'clock last night, and I was hungry. I called Michael's. Are you up? Are you there? Yep, they were, so I swing by Michael's because I, I haven't eaten all day. Yeah, there's, we have habits that, that are in our lives that are just, sometimes we don't want to do them, but yet we do, and, 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 and sometimes we like the habits. You know, sometimes we, we have bad habits, but we kind of enjoy them. And if you don't know your habits, your bad habits, for example, ask your spouse. They'll be more than happy to tell you what they are. They know what they are. But, you know, some habits are good, some habits are bad. You know, jogging is a good habit. Staying healthy is a good habit. But we all have habits and, that we deal with. We also have hurts. And, you know, all of us have had situations where we've, we've had a hurt in our lives where, where we've been wounded in some way. Where, whether it's, you know, coming down the hall and hearing somebody talk about you behind your back. Or whether it's, you know, somebody saying a harsh word to you or criticizing something you're doing. We've all had it. We've all been rejected in some way, or somebody, you know, I read a book, it's uh, called The Rejection Syndrome. It's a great book by Dr. Solomon, and it talks about how majority of the people in the world have been rejected in their life, to the point where it's become a syndrome in American life to, to be rejected, and it's something that we need to deal with as Christians to learn to accept and love. It's a great book. If you ever get a chance to read it, read it. It really changed the way I was thinking about things. Most people have been rejected in some way. We've all had that hurt or somewhere, somebody offending us. And we also have hang-ups, things that irritate us, things that bother us, things that just, that really get under our skin. And you know what they are. Things like, like uh, my wife, uh, I adore her. She's, she's a sweetheart. And when I met her, she had a bumper sticker that said, mean people suck. And, and you know, that's her. She doesn't like mean people. If you're mean to her, she will walk away from you. She'll just... You're, I'm done. She ha that's our hang-up for her. She does not like mean people. For me, it might be something else. It might be other things that irritate me, maybe self-centered. For me, self-centered people drive me nuts when it's all about them. 
Drives them, that's just personal. You know what they are. You know what you have. We all have hang-ups that challenge us each day. We have hang-ups of things that, that we run across that just kind of get under our skin and bother us. And these, these, these uh, you know, sometimes it might be arrogant people, selfish people. It, it, who knows? It's, it, you, only you will actually know that, what that, that hang-up is. But we all have that in common. We have, all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. We all are messed up in our own little ways. Think about that. We're all sinners. We're all messed up in a little way somewhere. In fact, I want you to do me a favor. Do me a favor. Look at the person next to you right now and say, I'm messed up and so are you. Look at him. I'm messed up and so are you. You're not messed up? <laughs> See, smart man here. He's like, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm going to say that to my wife and I'm not going to. No. Very smart. Uh, yeah, you know, we're, we're all in the boat together. We all have this hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And we all are wounded at times in our lives. And guess what? We're all messed up for it. We all have it in our lives. And, and I can't emphasize that enough, but we are, we're all in this together. Some, now, some people have wounds that are deeper than others. Some have wounds that are, that are very and we struggle with this on a regular basis. Some are wounded so deeply and severely that their habits, hurts, and hang-ups are more difficult to heal. This, uh, it's interesting how God works. You know, I, I was writing this series, and, and, I, and I had this planned out for this. You know, healing the wounded was on my, my sermon series plan. And, uh, and I start writing it usually before, but then I usually the week of is when I really get into the nuts and bolts of it and rearrange things. And it's funny how God works because... Not only am I talking about the wounded and hurting, but we had, you know, we had a funeral, and then we also lost, uh, um, well, this wasn't a church member, but it was Janice's brother this weekend, and so all of a sudden, it's funny, you know, I'm, I'm preaching, I'm getting ready to preach on hurting, and all of a sudden, these things about pain and, and hurting come along in life, and I got this, this was sitting on my, my desk, and it's called I'm Hopeless, and it's from the Billy Graham Evangelic um, Association, and it says, uh, and it's, it's titled, it says, it's a pandemic. It says 4.5 billion people are living without hope that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. 4.5 billion people don't know Christ, and they're living uh, without hope in Christ. Now, as you flip through the different pages, it says, has different statistics, different numbers. It says each year, millions of people look to the internet for answers to their deepest hurts and longings. Google alone sees more than 4 million searches, search inquiries, for the word hope. Over 4 million inquiries. More than 22 million Americans aged 12 and older abuse or addicted to drugs and alcohol. Around 21 million Americans, which is 7% of the population, struggle with depression, and 39,000 commit suicide each year. 39,000 people. An estimated 40 million people here, uh, in the U.S., feel trapped or crippled by fear. They live as prisoners to their own anxiety. Forty million people are trapped in fear. Last year, 1.6 million people came to Christ through the Billy Graham's crusades, or Billy Graham's ministry. Think about those numbers. Forty million people suffer from anxiety and, and feel trapped. See, it's something that, believe it or not, in this room, we're going to have people that are going to be suffering like this. We're going to have one of those people, you either know somebody or you're suffering yourself. 
We all can touch those, those handful of people, those handful of statistics, all of us can touch on that at some point in our lives, whether we know them personally or personal experience or, or somebody we know, somebody close. This is the reality that we live in. There's pain and suffering around the whole world, and everybody we come in contact to can relate to that. All of us here have a common bond that we've been through something. We've been through some kind of trial and, and we have habits and hurts and hang-ups. Some, some people are bruised and broken emotionally and it's because of some private tragedy or, or some trauma that's have, that, that they had in their life. Some of them have had some serious things happen. Maybe it's a dysfunctional household. Maybe it's abuse. Maybe it's personal experience in alcohol or drugs. And it's usually something that few people know about, if anybody. Things like this, uh, sometimes we have these, uh, uh, there's many people I have these hurts, and they'll keep it to themselves because of fear of being judged, fear of being harassed or, or even, you know, put down, even fear of rejection, which is a big one, because if you say you're an alcoholic or, or you have a problem, an issue, what happens? People will go, oh, I don't want to be around that, and they back away from people. So there's that fear. And even if it's not reality, even if there's people in their lives that won't do that, there's still that fear of being rejected. The fear of being gossiped about. So they hold it inside. And they let it fester and they keep it there. Now if they do have friends that they share with them, you know, hey, I'm suffering from this or I'm struggling with that. And if they do have close friends, some of these friends don't know what to do. They don't know how to help and they try to offer some advice, but they really don't know what to do about it. They, they can't fully enter your world, feel what you feel, and suffer what you suffered because it's your experience and what you've dealt with. There's all kinds of sources for, for struggles and, and hurts and hang-ups, and there's all kinds of reasons out there. And you know, ask psychologists, and they'll have 20,000 different ideas on why this is happening, but the Bible talks about a few Actually, it talks about a lot, and I'm only sharing a few with you. But some of them are, are because we're, 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 we're scarred and we're hurt because of others. Something somebody else did to us. Sometimes it's a result of our own sinful behavior. Maybe, in a, uh, maybe something that's, that we're sinning on, and we have these things happen in our lives. And, and, we, and we start responding to it, and we have this hurt because of it. Sometimes it's, it's a situation that's maybe overcome by experience, like Job, you know, where, where it wasn't really because of him, but there's a situation in his life, and it comes at him, and it becomes painful. He lost his kids. His wife was, was uh, over it, and, and his friends were trying to excuse things away, and we talked about that a little bit last week, where, and, and maybe it's some outside experience that you're having that you have no control over, but it's hurting you, and it's, and it's, helping, it's making you struggle. Maybe it's drug and alcohol abuse, or maybe it's the occult. You know, uh, I, when I talk to people that have left Mormonism or Jehovah Witnesses, I call them recovering because it's a long process. My wife is a recovering Mormon. She was raised in the Mormon church, and she left that. And, it's, and there's certain little things that she still struggles with. Now, she's been gone for 20-something years, so she's pretty good about it. But there's for a while there, it was a struggle. And it's recovering. Sometimes we have these hurts because of things like that. I was talking to somebody the other day, and she's, uh, it was uh, at one of my Bible studies that I'm teaching, and she said that, you know what, I'm not quite there ready to come to church yet, but when I do, I'm coming to yours. And she said that, and she told me a couple weeks before that, that she had struggles in the churches because there was so much uh, hurt and pain that, they, that some of the leaders did. 
And so she was hurt by it, and she won't come to church because of that. She's been scarred from it. Now she's thinking. She's on the verge. We need to pray for her. Pray for that healing. Because it's that hurt that's keeping her away from a relationship with Jesus. It's that hurt that's putting up a wall to come and grow in grace. Sometimes we do it unintentionally out of ignorance or thoughtlessness. Like we talked about, uh, you know, sometimes we put our foots in our mouths and we, we do things and we're like, ah, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I didn't mean that. I kick myself all the time for things I say. I'm a preacher. I talk a lot. Sometimes when talking, if anybody talk a lot, you know what I'm talking about. You start saying things and then all of a sudden next thing you know, you're rambling and you say things you probably shouldn't, shouldn't say. Sometimes we do that of ignorance or just thoughtlessness. We don't think. You might not even know that you've done it. Sometimes you do it on purpose, out of anger and pride, and, and you just want to, you said something to me, so I'm going to get back at you, and I'm going to say something. Don't you talk to me that way, and I'm going to say something back. And you do it out of pride and anger and frustration. You know, sometimes people think that this anger or this, this hurt is going to go away on its own. Some people think, oh, what's that phrase, uh, time heals all wounds? That is not true. That is not true at all. Time does not bring complete healing to you. Whatever you remember the experience, you're going to feel that hurt. You might dull it down a little bit, but you're still going still to bother you. And then when you have a situation that's like it, maybe you had a best friend that betrayed you in some way and hurt your feeling, stabbed you in the back or something, and then late years later you get a good friend again and you start connecting, but then they do something and it brings back all those memories. See, it doesn't actually go away. Sometimes when you experience a situation again, even though you haven't thought about it for a while, guess what happens? It comes back. You, you experience that same hurt, that same pain in a similar way. Some people will even try to block out the memory so they won't come face-to-face with the hurts, but they're still there. So I wonder, as a preacher, I wonder how many of us in here have the hurt. I wonder how many of us here actually have some kind of hurt that we need to give up and only known to ourselves. I just wonder. After years or after effects of a toxic relationship or maybe dysfunctional families, still recovering from old losses, old betrayals, hearing the echoes of unkind words spoken by other people, Years ago, yesterday, a week ago. I wonder how many people here have that, hold on to that, that pain, and they still remember exactly what was said. Probably most of us, to some degree or another, or probably most of us, probably right here, right now, have something that they can identify with. And it's not all in the past. We are constantly being bombarded, and we're constantly being assaulted as we make way through our life and through this world. We're constantly running across these, these people that will say something or hurt us in some way, and we're constantly being attacked, or we're constantly being wounded. And it's an ongoing thing. We're, sometimes we're bumped and bruised. Sometimes it's a deep wound, but it happens. And it's simply not possible to live amongst people in society, family, and church without being hurt. Sadly, but it's true. It's just the way of life. Ever since Adam and Eve left the garden, ever since that, that moment they sinned, that's, when it's gonna ha- that's happened in the world. People have hurt each other. 
It's throughout history. And it'll continue until Christ's return, until we either meet Jesus because we pass away or the, resurrect, or the rapture happens and we go see him now, which I hope happens in my lifetime. It'll be an awesome experience. David expressed it in Psalm 109, which is uh, the psalm. Some of the psalms are called laments, and this is one of them. This uh, lament is when, when uh, the David was just crying out in pain, and he wrote it down in a beautiful way of expression and expressing his pain and suffering, and he went through some hard times, and this is one of those. And it's called Psalm 109, verse 21 through 22. It says, But you, O sovereign Lord, deal with, well with me for your name's sake. Out of the goodness of your love, deliver me. For I am poor and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. He was the great King David talking about his wounds. He was wounded because his friend Jonathan died. He was wounded because people were chasing him out of the kingdom. There's all kinds of things that he went through. And this is one way he was expressing himself. But someone might ask, you know, you might be sitting here thinking, okay, Pastor, what? So what? So what? You know what? I I've hurts from and habits and hang-ups from I've had for years. What's the big deal? Why even even discuss it? Why even preach about this? Why stir things up? Why even bother? Why not just leave it alone and let sleeping dogs lie? My answer is that our pain is not dormant and active, inactive as much as you think. Now I'm not a psychiatrist. I've taken a number of counseling courses throughout my college years. But I'm not up on all the psychotherapies out there. That's not what I do. I'm a preacher. And I'm a counselor. And if it gets too complicated, I refer you out because my brain is only limited on this. But I can tell you in experience and firsthand knowledge that the roots, often the roots of our problems go way deeper than we realize. The roots of our, our hurt go deeper than we realize down into our parts of our soul that are hidden from public view. Even though it's out of sight, even though we don't consciously dwell on it on a regular basis, doesn't mean it's not there. The pain can still produce all kinds of destructive emotions and destructive behaviors in our lives. We can have things from years ago come about and, and manifest itself in our daily life today. Some of the symptoms of a wounded heart can be physical. It could be anything from nerve disorder, stomach problems, uh, insomnia. It could be physical. This verse here in Proverbs 17, 22, it says, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Now, when it's talking about uh, uh, the, the joyful heart, that's referring to the psyche in this particular verse. It's talking about the mind. It's a joyful heart, a, a, a happy heart, a happy mind. A well-adjusted, positive outlook on life brings healing. On the other hand, a crushed spirit, in the second part, it says crushed spirit dries up bones. Crushed spirit is about misery and depression. When you're crushed, think about that. When you're just, you've been beaten down and you've been hurting and you're, this bothers you and whatever it is, and it's, and it's just dried bones. Dry bones are unhealthy. They're lifeless. A joyful heart is good medicine, but when you're beat down and you're crushed and you're hurting, it's like dried bones. It can also cause mental health 
issues. It could be cause depression. When you don't forgive, it can, it can cause resentments and, and uh, anger and frustration. And it can make, uh, make people more dominant. It can have more of aggressive behavior through that. When you have unresolved issues, it can create anger, which causes you to lash out on people quickly. It can also be shyness. You can be withdrawal from people. Withdraw from society, withdraw from crowds, withdraw from friends because of it, because of a hurt inside. Proverbs 18, 14 says, A man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? The crushed spirit, who can bear, is referring to depression. See, when, when, when you're physically hurt, most of the time you can heal with it, and if you can't heal with it, you still can heal mentally. You can have a healthy mind. But if you are depressed or extremely depressed and you're beat down like that, guess what? You start th- losing hope. And you start giving up. That's what that verse is referring to. It can also affect your spiritual status. And what's interesting is in this, is in, in theology they talk about a trichotomy and what that is, it's about the, the whole body, like what parts of the body we have and it's a mind or body or mind, body, spirit. We are made up of three. Mind, body, and spirit. So when we have something like unforgiveness in our hearts, guess what? It affects all three. It affects the whole body. But it definitely affects our, affects our spiritual situation, our spiritual health. We can lack freedom because we'll be in bondage. It'll lack freedom to, or we won't be, we'll be in bondage, so we'll be, have a hard time getting moving forward in our Christian life. We'll have a hard time moving toward a closer relationship with God. It'll cut you off. Somebody once told me that unforgiveness is like, a, uh, you know, when we're, when we're right with God and we, we are repentant, it's like a phone line directly to God. We're connected. But then as soon as we get unforgiveness in our heart and unrepentant sin, clip that phone line and you're disconnected. doesn't mean you're not saved. It just means you're disconnected. You're not connected to God until you repent. And then you repent and then you, that you get restored. See, and we also talk, uh, it can also be giving a devil a foothold you have unrepentant sin, or you have unforgiveness in your heart, guess what? The devil will use that and just keep festering it, keep festering it, keep festering it, keep going. And guess what? You'll keep, you'll keep being reminded. And he'll use that to keep you from being effective. See, people respond in different ways to this, this hurt. When we, when we get hurt, we respond in different ways, in different manners. One of the ways is that we back away from the situation, thinking that time will allow us to heal. And we also often turn inward and agonize over our hurts. But this, this hurt ends up being like a big sore, just ready for somebody to flick it or pick it. And it just becomes this wound that's just sitting there, not healing, and then somebody comes along and does something similar, and it just brings you right back. So that's what happens sometimes. And then when they do prick it, and that comes out as anger and bitterness and rage, sometimes fear. And then, that, then the rejection they receive when people back away from you, guess what? You receive rejection, and it starts all over, and you're upset again. And you're feeling the pain of that. Think about that cycle. You have a hurt. You don't let it go. Somebody comes along and says something to you. You get angry. They back away and say, you're nuts. You're you're." rude, you're mean, whatever, and they back away, you feel rejected, and now you're mad at the new person. That's what happens in this cycle. Other people respond immediately by striking back. They try to balance that hurt with anger and revenge, 
or trying to protect themselves from further hurt by allowing time, by not allowing time. They enter relationships and they're rejected because of the hardness of the hearts. Please understand that we only receive healing through an intervention from God. When we have this hurt, not only do we have to give it up and let go of it, but we've got to give it up to God. God's the great healer. God's the one that can intercede and work in your heart to remove that hardness and to help you let it go. He cares about your broken heart. He cares about you. He loves you deep down inside. He loves you with his whole being, and he wants you to have a healthy life, a healthy spiritual and emotional life. He wants that in your life. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. See, God healed David's heart, and he also will heal yours. Jesus was sent down to heal the broken heart. He didn't come down just to to free us of our sin, but he also came to, to comfort us and help us and heal us. There's no experience that we have experienced that Jesus hasn't experienced himself. He's been tempted. He's lost his friends. Lazarus died, and Jesus wept. He's experienced everything that we've experienced. Everything. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he, God, has appointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He, God, has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and and recovery of sight to the blind. And look at that ending. To set free the oppressed. When we're hurting and we're in bondage and we have this resentment towards somebody or some, some situation and you won't let it go, you're being, you are oppressed. You are being weighed down. You're in bondage. And he, Jesus came to set you free. Jesus himself suffered all the hurts that someone can suffer. And through the suffering of Jesus, God has provided the healing for your hurts. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for in our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for our suffering, our pain, our, our hurt. God cares about you. He loves you. He wants you to be free of that. It's God's desire to heal your hurts, which is one of my, First Peter, First Peter is one of my favorite books, but First Peter, this particular verse, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I love that verse. Cast all your anxieties, whatever it is that you have in your life, whether it's, you know, habit, hurts, or hang-ups, give it, cast it out to Jesus Christ, and because he cares for you. Not because he has to, he loves you. And he wants that healing in your life. That's why in Scripture it tells us to do these things, to cast that onto him. But God must be in total control of your heart before he can heal it. Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, You will seek me and find me when you seek with all your heart. When you seek with all your heart. You've got to give him your whole heart, not just part of it, the whole thing. And you have to cast it and say, Lord, this is all you. This is, I, I just want to give you all of my hurts, all of my habits, and all my hang-ups. So how do we, so we know that God cares for us. We know that God, we, we have hurts. We know that. 
We know that God cares for us and he wants us to be healed. So what do we do now? What do we, how do we deal with it? How do we begin the healing process? What are some things that we can do ourselves with the help of God? First, you've got to give, you give your heart to Jesus, letting him become your Lord. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, your healing will be limited. But when you have a full relationship with him and you accept him for who he is with all your heart, he will, he will start healing you. Romans 10, 10 verse 9 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And he will start working in your life. That's the first thing. The second is you, you must, if you have offended somebody, then you must go confess to them. If you've offended somebody, you need to take the steps to go to them. Because they're probably sitting there hurting, angry, frustrated, whatever it is. All those emotions that come from being hurt or offended. You need to go to them. If you recognize that you've offended somebody, you go to them. Matthew 5, verse 23 says, if you, So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there is a member, if there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled with your brother and then come to the offer or come and offer your gift. So he's telling you that even when they would come up to church or you come to worship or anything, if you have somebody that's, that has something against you, if there's an issue or you've offended or they've offended you, you need to resolve it. Because God cares about the heart issues, not about the, the, about the rituals of things, not about doing church. He doesn't care about the religion of things. He cares about the heart. If I can emphasize one thing in all of my preaching is God cares about your heart and if it's right with him. That's what he cares about. All these little things don't matter. It's about the heart. And you need to go to somebody. If you recognize that you have sinned against them, you need to go to them and ask for forgiveness. And ask them to forgive you. Now, you must forgive and release that person who has hurt you. So if you have not offended somebody, but somebody offended you, you need to let that go to God. You need to release them. You need to, to, to let them be forgiven. You need to forgive yourself. Or not yourself, but them, yourself. Matthew 6.25, or 6.12, you know, the, the, the Lord's Prayer Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. There's a part in there. It talks about forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. So we should be, if we have offended somebody, we need to go in and apologize. We need to take that step. Even if it's embarrassing, even if you're, you've got to swallow your pride, we have to go to them and say, you know what, I'm sorry. You know, sometimes we offend people and we don't know it. We talked about that a little bit in the beginning of the message. Sometimes we do things. And how you can tell if maybe there's something there is if that relationship seems a little different now. If maybe at one point you're real friendly and all of a sudden, a couple weeks later, you don't seem to be as friendly. And there's something there in the Holy Spirit. I believe it's the Holy Spirit convicting you a little bit. Maybe you need to go to that person and say, hey, you know what? Have I offended you in some way? Have I hurt your feelings? Have I, have I done something? Because I, maybe I did and I, I'm, I'm not aware of it. And if I did, I'm so sorry. Could you tell me what that is? That's the mature Christian way of doing it. You must put their judgment into God's hands and ask them, or ask God to forgive them also. 
Now, this is one of the hardest ones to do. This is one of the hardest things we can do. When Stephen was uh, kicked out of the, the city, he was, they took rocks and they stoned him to death. He was the first martyr. Okay? And what he did was he's, he's sitting there and he's being, rocks are being thrown at him. He's dying on, on the ground outside of the city. And this is what he says in Acts chapter 7, verse 60. He says, And falling to his knees, he cried out in a, with a loud voice, saying, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And then he, when he said this, he fell asleep. He passed away. Stephen, while he's dying on the road, he was asking God to forgive them. When we get, offend, when we get hurt by somebody or when, we, when something happens and we're offended or hurt, we need to go to God and say, God, don't, you know, please help them, forgive them, work in their life, reveal that hurt, heal that situation. That's the attitude that we should have when we go to, and that, I know that's hard, that's difficult, because when you're offended and you're hurt, you're, you're usually angry or you don't want to do that. You know, usually when we're hurt, if somebody hurts me or, or hurts you, usually we're like, yes, God, I want your judgment on them, but it's, you know, not usually in that way. It's usually in a fireball coming down from heaven to destroy them, or, you know, you know we get mad and we say, you know what, let's, I, I, I want them to, uh, I want their car to break down, and we get that angry and that, that spite. We also must yield your rights to God. So when we get offended or we get hurt, we need to realize that, you know what? We've we got to give everything. Remember I talked about the whole heart to God, but we've got to also give our expectations, our, our relationships, our, our respect, our possessions, everything toward God. I say, you know what, Lord? Everything. You know what? I've been hurt. Give this to you. Please heal them, forgive them. And you have to let go. Now, a wounded heart does, I want to give you a warning, a wounded heart does receive, or doesn't, re doesn't receive healing is open for the devil to get his foothold. Asking God to cleanse. The next thing is we need to ask God to cleanse our heart. When, when we get that hurt, we need to, sometimes with that anger and that frustration and that lack of forgiveness, remember it causes all these things on, in our lives but we need to ask God to change our life and change our heart. See, a lot of times we pray for other people, and we pray for the, the situation, but we don't necessarily ask God to change our heart in the situation. Maybe that person has the same hurts and habits and hang-ups that somebody you know. Since we all have it, maybe we need to start working on our patience and saying, God, help me with this. Help me with those patience and help me with dealing with this situation. Some people irritate me. Some people get under my skin, just like you. We're all human. Some personalities are more challenging than others. And, and when that happens, we need to learn. And God will work on them. God will change them if they're coming to Christ, if they're working on a relationship with God. God will work in their lives. But we have to change ourselves and our attitudes and things. We need to look at and say, God, you know what? That person frustrates me, and I'm getting angry being around them, or I'm getting hurt by being around them. I need your help. I need you to change me. So when I am around them, guess what? I have healing. Maybe they don't bother me as much. They don't get me mad as much. They don't frustrate me as much. So you've got to ask God to cleanse your heart for all your wrong attitudes. The anger, the bitterness, the lust, the forgiveness, the hate, the revenge. That's what happens when if unresolved 
pain or unresolved things, unforgiven sins, we hold on to those things and we need to give it up to God. In faith, ask him to heal our hearts in the name of Jesus. As God heals your hearts, God will start working in it. And, and as you ask for this help and you say, Lord, I need your help. I'm, I'm frustrated with this. I've been hurt. My first instinct is to lash out and get revenge. Well, but then you give it to God. Guess what happens? He starts giving you that tender heart. And he starts changing you from the inside out. And you can start dealing with that. And he also starts softening your hearts for people like that. That's why a lot of people that go into, they come out of addictions or abusive families, you know, or, or a safe home or something like that. They come out of these situations. They have more compassion for people like them. It's because they've been healed. They've gone through it. And, tend, and their, their hearts change. Now instead of you know, being in the midst of addiction or in the midst of a, a broken relationship, now they've been healed and they get to go back and say, you know what, I, I feel for you. I know what it's like. And they have tenderness in their hearts. They're more sensitive to it. See, we're called to be in a ministry of reconciliation. God, when God created us, and when we sinned in the Garden of Eden, or when Adam and Eve sinned, it broke that relationship. But God reinstored it. God reconciled it. And that's what the whole Old and New Testament is, is reconciliation. And we're called for that same reconciliation. So we're called to have that kind of ministry. That's what the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to be a place where we heal. I, we're no different. I'm just one beggar showing another beggar where to find food. That's all this is. And this is, we need to all have that healing. We need to have a ministry of reconciliation, of, of healing here. We need to be a beacon of light for our hurting communities. Now, over the past six, seven months I've been here, I've heard a lot of different stories about the history of this church. And you've had some great times, some beautiful, growing, vibrant times. And then you've also had some times that weren't so great. And I'm not going to share those stories. You know what they are. And I know that during those times, those, those challenges you face, there's a lot of hurt. I know that for a fact. Some of you have shared it with me. There's a lot of hurt that's been in this church. And there needs to be a healing here. Church has been facing with some hurt for maybe 10 years, is what it sounds. Now, I wasn't here, but you know. And, and this hurt and pain is holding you up in this relationship with God. You need to learn to let this go, and you've got to be healed from these wounds. My hope is that this message is for you, whoever you are. If you're hurting, whether it's from this church, something that happened in the past, maybe something that, that I've done, reconcile it. Reconcile it. Come to me. Come to the person that hurt you and be healed from it. Jesus is the great comforter. And he will heal you if we reconcile this. And this church will continue to grow and is growing now. And how can we, you know, this, I, I love the vision of this church, the direction that we're going, and I, I see growth, and I see changes, and, and I see some wonderful blessings coming about in the outreach ministries and, and all the different things that are going on. But you know what I hope for the most is that this church becomes a church where everybody in this community knows that this is a place for healing through the love and grace of Jesus Christ.
That's what I hope for. I hope that people can they think of Covington Baptist Church as a place where we preach Jesus and that we accept people for where they're at in their lives and they can be healed. Not expecting them to come in and act like Christians. Sometimes that, has, that doesn't happen. But be a place where there's acceptance and love and embracing everybody here when they come in and they're hurting and they're suffering. Guess what? We can help you. We can love on you. We can point you to Jesus. That's my vision. That's my, my hope that this church is and continues to be. My hope is that they're healed from addictions. My hope is that the relationships are healed. Financial hardships, anger, rejection, depression, and loneliness all get a kick in the rear because of Jesus being here. We have to be healed ourselves and we have to have that healing from Jesus before we can share that healing with others. We have to have the hope in Jesus ourselves before we can have, share that hope with others. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this church and the, the love that you bring here. The, and Father God, I, I lift up this church and, and hope that if there is any, any uh, unforgiven hurts or habits, I, I hope that, that you put it on the hearts of everybody here and, and put, it, put it in their hearts of whoever's suffering from this to have the courage to, to go and reconcile. Father God, I hope and pray that this church is a church where we embrace healing through you. We want to be a beacon of light to the community. We want, to, we want to help make a difference in the lives of others, Lord. So I ask you to continue to work in our lives, continue to help us heal, continue to be our Savior. And help us, send the, or we ask you to send the Holy Spirit to continue to guide us. Father God, thank you so much for the love that you have for us, and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to.